See? Isn't that yeah, crazy? It's crazy. It's the pole. Yeah. Wide yeah. wide turns. Wide turns in helicopters. Look at that. It's a beefy looking sucker. That's what she said. Anyway, so another another guy died. That's what that's what you want to talk about. Superstar oh. died. Well, I mean, yeah, but Len- I guess Lennon's hero is LeBron James. Yeah, hold on a second. We have to <clears throat> Lennon. Who is the greatest basketball player that ever lived? LeBron. See, it's not LeBron James. It's LeBron. Wrong. LeBron. LeBron. Do the people watching this video, do they have teenagers? Do they all speak the same language? Like everything's nah. Mm -hmm. Nah. LeBron. You want to go play basketball? Nah. Bruh is a big one. Well, I bruh. No, no, but I'm like, the kids are calling my wife bruh. Like in (laughs) conversation. Like, I, I don't want spaghetti, bruh. I could see Lennon doing that. That's why he's laughing. What about how popular is this one? Bussin. Oh, I don't. I haven't heard I've, that in a while. I, Although, these cupcakes are bussin. Yeah. We heard that the other day from like a seven-year-old girl said that. Bussin. That's bussin. Well, you're a hundred percent wrong on, on is, LeBron James. It's not. It's not LeBron. It's most definitely Dennis Rodman. I think there's an argument to be made that he is certainly in the top five overall basketball players. That was a, t- that was a terrible um, <laughs> uh, bait for you. I can't believe you just said you put Dennis Rodman in the top five. <laughs> Michael Jordan, dude. Come well, on, man. Michael Jordan's the best, but he's certainly not my favorite. I'm still going to put like Dr. J is going to come into play. Dennis Rodman wouldn't be in the top 50. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the a great defender that he, he nobody would ever say he's what do you, do you think he'd even be in the top 50? <laughs> the Listen, worm. The I, worm. No, he has scored I mean, probably he's more he's touchdowns. Got, he's got than, piercings and different color hair. He's scored more touchdowns. And tattoos. I think he's anybody. a terrible human being. Um, anybody with piercings and tattoos, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're rough on you in the comment section. That's all right. I'm, yeah. I'm awaiting a compilation video. So, so keep them coming. The... The dead guy you're referring to, I'm not convinced, was ever dead, even for a moment. Did LeBron James really name his kid Bronny? Or is it LeBron Jr. Uh, and they just call him Bronny? I think it's probably Bronny is his nickname, right? Bronny's his nickname, buddy? I think it's his real name. It's his real name. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, it also would not surprise me being a celebrity because we've got celebrity kids named like Blue and uh, North. Doesn't Michael uh, Jackson's kid named Pillow? I think it's Pillow or Blanket or something, right? He's got Pillow Blanket in Uh, Paris. I like the Paris mm -hmm. name. I got married in Paris. So, Lennon, how old is Brawny before he died? (laughs) Do you know? 17 or 18, probably. Yeah. 17 or 18. No, he's 18. And so he graduated high school a year ago. Huh? He graduated this year and he's going to college. And so he just started at U at USC. So he just started at USC. So this will be his freshman year we of hate, college. We hate USC, right? Because our coach and our quarterback left OU. Well, I'm wearing a cowboy shirt, so I shouldn't say that. Yeah, no, that that I forgot all about that. Go pokes. Sorry. But the the um um he just started at USC, right? And how tall was he last year? Last year, yeah, I don't know, like six foot. And how tall is he now? Six three. Oh, six three. Or is it his brother who grew like a weed? Yeah, it was his brother. His brother grew like a foot in a, in a single year, and he's also a badass, mm. apparently. And so, well, when your dad's the, as Lennon stated, the greatest the second, basketball the second player greatest, of all time, the second great, yeah, the second goat. I I think his kids probably call him the second goat. 
That's what I would call him. But anyway, so so LeBron's got this thing because he's he's still so competitive. You know, he's obviously lost a little bit of his edge, but he's a he's certainly still in good shape. But he he's made this um, this pledge that when Bronny gets drafted next year, mm-hmm. hopefully, is that what they're thinking? Next year, his sophomore year, after one year of college or something like that, that LeBron is going to give up everything and go Retire. play. No, he's going to go oh. play with his son oh. at whatever team he gets drafted on, oh, so which is going to be a gold mine. Has that ever happened before, that a, like a father-son combo play on uh, the same team in the same sport? It and happened in baseball. Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. Right. played like left field and center field. That was pretty cool. That's right. Um, but they're, they're – so, so he's – I've, I find this fascinating that he would publicize this because, you know, mm-hmm. whoever drafts Bronny knows they're going to. I mean, get. that's going to be like the all-time greatest <laughs> draft pick of all time because you know you're going to get, get LeBron get James and you're going to get on for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, right. Because he doesn't he make like fifty million, forty-five, fifty million. Then be like, <clears throat> we ain't even got no money, dude. Because we, that's why we're got the number one draft pick because yeah. we suck. Anyway, so he's. He's he's made that pledge, and so the media has been following Bronny pretty heavily because he just started practice. They're like they're not even playing. He just started yeah. practice with USC, and so well, I I he, do expect despite his despite his um what we'll we'll learn to be the acronym of SRSCA, which is a sports related sudden cardiac arrest. Despite him suffering one of those. I think it's going to be okay. You think? Mm-hmm. So, so tell me the story. Backstory. Because I was, I've been working, mm-hmm. have not been paying attention. What happened? So yeah, last week or the week before, nine one one call comes in. Lennon, you got the story for an athlete in cardiac arrest at the USC basketball practice stadium. And, and so this come to find out that this one here is. What day is today? The 7th? So this says July 25th. Yeah. Suffers cardiac arrest. I feel like yeah. that was the that was the common <laughs> headline was exactly sure. that. Suffers cardiac arrest. Yep. What does that mean? Uh, well, what does it mean to you? Yeah, you, so you I, I would... I think that it's pretty self-defining. Cardiac arrest means that the heart has stopped. What do you think that means to the millions of other people who aren't in the medical field yeah. that see this. I, th- I think it can be tough to define because you see all these news stories out all the time that says so-and-so dies from cardiac arrest. Right. right? Was later pronounced dead at the hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm always like, yeah. no, nah, he sure. was he was dead when you got there. But I they mean, just, I think there's a, there's a couple of things that's yeah. really, you know, Scroll down sensational bit. about these stories. And as, as we can tell, TMZ did it here. You know, they... They, uh, the font is, is twice as large on the words cardiac arrest than it is everything else, right? So let's see what it says. Um, it says LeBron James kid rushed to the hospital after suffering cardiac arrest during a workout. A family spokesperson, so not a physician, not the mm-hmm. medical team, says yesterday while practicing Bronny James, while practicing Bronny James suffered a cardiac arrest. Medical staff was able to treat Brawny and take him to the hospital. He is now in stable condition and no longer in ICU. We ask for respect and privacy for the James family, and we will update media where there's more information. Scroll down just a little bit, buddy. And and yeah, so it just says, it says kind of all the same stuff, but this happened about 9.30 in the morning. But you go back up to that, go back up to that statement that I just, that I just read. When just when you read that statement, the the James family spokesperson, yeah, does that make sense? Well, no, not. I mean, I, I'm trying to to look at this from a couple different perspectives. So let's remove the fact that this is a celebrity or the son of a celebrity, and let's remove the fact that it's. A, a, a young man or a, even a child, if you will, an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. How often do you think people suffer cardiac arrest in the United States every day? A lot, right? Thousands, I mean, yeah, a, and it's and it's not it's not sensational. So I think there's a couple of things that makes this 
the fact that he's a celebrity doesn't make him any more or less prone to cardiac arrest, but he's 18. So that's kind of a big mm -hmm. deal. How often are we seeing young, athletic, healthy people suffering cardiac arrest? And I right. think that it is also more than we would like to believe. It's, well, yeah. And, and when I first heard it, two things went through my mind. I don't mm -hmm. know. We don't want to go down the second rabbit hole, but two, two things went through my mind when I first heard this. Mm -hmm was, well, actually three. First, I didn't know who Bronny James was. I feel like a terrible sports follower. Um, but w once I got past that part, um, was that he's, I saw a picture of him. He's 18. He's in really good shape. He's playing basketball. Mm -hmm. I thought of Reggie Lewis, and I don't know if you remember who that was, uh, a basketball player in the 90s yeah. who did this, and I, th I think he was on film. I think we watched it. Um, and you start thinking, Left ventricular hypertrophy. Sure. He's young, skinnier guy compared, you, you know, mm -hmm. tall. A African-American. Tall, in shape, mm -hmm. African-American. You're like, well, maybe this is one of those, you know, hypertrophic. Left You know, we, we, we don't have ventricular filling thing and and he, he, he falls over and dies. Sure. The second thing that came to my mind was, Oh my God, the the COVID lunatics are gonna mm. pounce on this because I was just a, um, you know, listening to a radio show the other day that I told you about, and um, we were talking about Demar Hamlin and 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 realizing that if you Google De De Demar Hamlin, you know the guy from the Bills mm -hmm. who had um, Kamosho Cordis, so but which he is had what it, we, which uh, is what we think, yeah. Uh, cardiac arrest and a save right. and has regained, right. you know, and all function. signs mm -hmm. point towards he had commotio cordis, goes into a shockable mm -hmm. rhythm, is defibrillated out of it. The system works. It's right. such a success story, yeah. which is great. Fantastic. It's great it, for everybody. Absolutely. But if you're, if you're a, um, a cons COVID conspiracy, conspirator related to mm -hmm. getting the jab related to, their big cardiac cardiac and, mm -hmm. cardiomyopathies and mm -hmm. stuff like that, especially being myocarditis was, mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm going to scroll on my, yeah. I'm going to go on my social media <laughs> yeah, right now go. and I'm yeah. going to see um, whatever. And Lennon's the one who showed it to me. And yeah. the first thing he said was, read the comments. Yeah. <laughs> and you read the comments and what did the comments say, dude? It was all... He got the jab. Uh -huh. The jab got yeah. him. The jab got so, him. So I mean, I, do we know? Do we even know at this point if we? I mean, we don't. So that's kind of where the you know the science comes in, and and it's it's it, the the science part of it is really interesting to me because you try and start removing all these different variables, and the first thing is we don't know if this guy's been vaccinated or not. So right. how can you automatically lead down that rabbit hole of um, correlation? to causation. Right. right? Well, and, and you said something to me a couple of years ago and I've run with it ever since. And I, I've posted it a couple of times and, I, and um, you know, looking at the, the, the saying of, I think that the biggest problem with humanity is the inability for most people to comprehend large numbers. I said that. Absolutely right. And, and, yeah. and when you look at the, the, the numbers of people, and again, we're not going to mm. really go down this rabbit hole because it's just stupid. Um, but when you look at the, the, e even if a thousand of my friends died mm -hmm. from getting a COVID vaccine and it, or something like that, or, or, or I thought that a thousand people died, if, if that's just my experience, mm. that's still like a millionth of a percent of the human sure. population on, on earth. And it's just anecdotal. Um, and so, they think that they think that that because Demar went into cardiac arrest and because uh, Bronny James here suffers a cardiac arrest, they start playing these videos of other athletes around the world yeah. who who suddenly right. passed out and dropped dropped dead. And there's no data to support it at all that these mm -hmm. people were even dead in the first place, or that it has any like you say ca causal link mm -hmm. to a vaccine or to COVID in the first place. And it's, yeah. it's just, and I think that fortunately stupid. we don't really have to go down this, this rabbit hole because um, we have a 
something dumber to talk about. Yeah, because I think that's different. And I don't even know that it's dumber. I think that uh, I think that a lot of people are speculating on it. But one thing I will say is that did you know that sports related cardiac arrest or, or SRSCA, sports related sudden cardiac arrest, or even pediatric cardiac arrest is lower now than it has ever been in, in history? I, I think that I've read. No, I didn't know that specifically, mm-hmm. but I've read that oh, oh, there's been several things like that that have been yeah. on decline. And so I think we're going to kind of talk yeah. about, I'd like to talk about the sports-related sudden cardiac arrest a little more um, right now. And, and I, I sent you some uh, articles here in just a minute. We'll Open pull up, up that up, other uh, window, Lennon. We'll pull them up, Lennon. But, uh, you know, the sports-related sudden cardiac arrest, some of the data I looked at was between like the ages of 18 and 35. And it's somewhere around between one and 200,000 like one in 200,000 per year mm-hmm. have a sports-related sudden cardiac arrest. And a lot of that is they're contributing to early recognition, sports physicals, things like that, which right. I can absolutely, well, I can't guarantee because I don't know for sure, but I would be highly suspect that Bronny James and the rest of these college athletes have not had extensive physicals, not the ones that we did when we were in junior high football. I mm. mean, I bet they've had echocardiograms, they've had blood work and testing and everything. And and that has prevented a lot of, pro- or could potentially have prevented a lot of these sudden cardiac arrests. But right. I, I want to talk uh, talk about Bronny here. And, and I want to kind of start from the beginning because the, the first thing that I seen was the re- released 911 tapes. And it's redacted, but I think that there's some things we can con- extrapolate. So, so just going by, by, by the news story, what we just read, what we just read, Bronny suffers a cardiac arrest. The, the, the report is medical staff, so that's mm-hmm. probably including USC people as well as LA fire um, transport uh, paramedics. They take him to the hospital he goes to an ICU. He's in the mm-hmm. ICU for about 46 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then he's in a regular unit. Step down and then a day sort. or two later, he's home. Yeah, within 48 hours. Right. And, and, and so, so that's the news yeah. report. And I think even that day, uh, USC medical staff released a statement that said he's being discharged from the ICU. He was neurologically intact when he got here. Have no fear. Everybody that's very concerned for his well-being. Right. And and the ICU provider in, in my brain, I'm going, wow, that guy is super fortunate. Right. Because yeah. I don't, you very, don't see that very, very often. Very fortunate. So, let's, right. let's, so that now we have, so the 911 tape is here. And um, this one's posted by CNN, but it's it's a minute long. Yeah, but there's redaction. Yeah, and I don't know how much redaction, but I can tell you. And I'd like uh, so I want to. You haven't listened to this, right? I have not. So I, I, I listened wanna, to the just to make sure the volume works. Yeah, is it? But I I want you to, to listen to it, and then we're going to talk about what you hear. All right, dude. Play it, play it, buddy. We'll see what happens. Okay, all right, sir. All right, sir. I'm gonna send help there. To, and uh, where exactly are you? Yes, yes, okay. yes. And I'll wait for you. All right, sir. Uh, we're gonna send help. Okay, your sir. telephone is. Hold on, don't hang up, sir. Don't hang up. Your telephone is. Yes. Okay, let's get next to him, please. Okay. H- how old is he? All right. Get get next to him with the phone. Okay. I'll pause get it. Next to him. So so the first half that I hear is the common problem that happens with dispatch mm-hmm. all around the world. I shouldn't say all around the world, all, all around the United States is people call and they have an emergency mm-hmm. and they don't realize that help is already on the way. The second and, that and, you, they say, what's so, your emergency? Yeah. So what, they, what's location they, they've given, you've given them the address and whether it's police, fire, medical, the mm-hmm. dog catcher, mm-hmm. gas, some utility, whatever, the, the dispatchers hit some button in most places. I mean, there are mm-hmm. some still non, um, high tech dispatches around the country, but certainly in LA, that's how yeah, this in is Los right. Angeles this is no joke, man. They've yeah. hit a, they've hit a button. They've, it, the tones have already gone out at a station, um, respond for some medical call at USC. Mm-hmm. And so the caller's probably getting stressed. Like, oh God, why is why this guy asking these, me dumb yeah. questions? Uh, but, but helps mm-hmm. already on the way. Um, Send I them w- faster than than you yeah. would a normal ambulance also. They yeah. need to get here now. Yeah. Yeah. So he's trying to be calm and and the caller is and say, mm-hmm. 
how how important this, this is, is serious. But yeah. the other thing is is that um, again, I, I, I'm just going to make an assumption here because it is LA and they're mm-hmm. such a big service. Uh, the fact that he said you need to go get next to him, and I haven't listened to yeah, what's after that, tell, tells me that. It, it, there, there's probably a level of emergency medical dispatch. Yeah, EMR dispatching. EMD. Just, EMD. Just EMD. Okay. And so it's an actual certification. In case you guys don't know what that is, um, EMD is just um, a, a, a long, long series of algorithmic questions. Uh, it, it, how old is the patient? Where is the patient? Are they breathing? Do Are they moving? Are they responsive? On and on and on. And at some point, it's going to... Um, you know, spit out a code that's then going to help the responders to make sure the right resources are also coming in addition to the ambulance. Maybe somebody else needs mm-hmm. to show up as well. Maybe law enforcement needs to be there. I don't know. Um, but it also It'll ends get some up, instructions or something. But it right? also gets to the point of what we call pre arrival yeah. in, instructions. So if the person's complaining of chest pain, and I know you know all this, but the, the no, go on, go on. people may not. And so the you know the person's complaining of chest pain. They may say you, know, you got to sit them down. If they're not allergic to anything, if they're able to uh, chew and swallow, maybe you can give them some aspirin, something like that. Um, or choking, right, is a big one. Teaching people how to do the Heimlich over the phone—that's got to be fun. In in this case, you're next to somebody who's not breathing. And right, and so, and so, and so, in this case, what what I'm expecting to hear, and so we're 28 seconds into this, is for this dispatcher to say, um, you know, I need you to get next to him. Does yeah. it look like he's breathing? Uh, if if it doesn't look like he's breathing, I need you to try to f- see if you can feel a pulse. And if uh-huh. you can't feel a pulse, I need you to push hard and fast on yeah. his chest. That's right. what I'm expecting is going to happen in the next 28 seconds. Go ahead and play it, buddy. I could be wrong. Get next to him, please, with the phone. Okay, I, I need to I, I need to find out if uh, is there a doctor on scene with them or a registered nurse? No, there's no doctor. On he didn't ask if there was a paramedic. Help is already on the way. Okay, yeah, that was the problem. Should should ask if there was a paramedic. Let him go back ten seconds. We're, we're sorry, sorry, I was talking over that. You didn't miss anything. Go, go right right there. That's fine. Just play right there. A registered nurse? No, there's no doctor. Okay, help is already on help is already on the way. Okay, get next to him, please, okay. with the phone. With the phone. Right, now listen. Yeah. So he, we're we're already on the way, sir. And I, yeah. Fire department, paramedics already on the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, sir. All right. We're, we're on the way. Right. Call us back if anything changes. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wait a second. Okay. 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 So, I so, picked so, out so, three so, redactions that I could kind of hear in there. So, 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 so I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I know everything is different in California when mm-hmm. it comes to EMS and fire. They they use the LEMSA uh, divisions across. I don't know, the, I'm not sure what that is. It, it's just like e- each, basically each county. You know, um, there's our local EMS agencies, mm-hmm. um, and in or local EMS authorities. I mean, um, and you know how like we might mm-hmm. be like in a one system here, like they're each one's a, a different system, and you got to be credentialed to work in each oh, system gotcha. and they have very different rules. Um, and it's just, it's just what they do. I don't yeah. know if it's good or bad. It's just what they do. Um, but I, ca- I can't believe that he would hang up the phone. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you call you've walked in on these calls a thousand times and the person's still on the phone because they say, I'm going to give you pre, I'm going to give you instructions. Yeah. We're going to do this. They we're going to okay, do that. The paramedics are here and you, you say, all right, we're here. And then they hang up. They're right. Not, Hey, time. call us back if you need us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, there was for sure two redactions early on that are related to location and like a, f- a cell phone number that they right. didn't want to give out. I, yep, I heard that. But I think that they're saying he's waking up, he's he's breathing, something like that. And and I don't think that there's any malice to any of this, but I, I don't think he ever had a cardiac arrest. Mm. I think that the word of mouth travels so fast right now, and they picked up, they may have even been dispatched to a cardiac arrest. Right. right. I mean, like sure. you said, that the second that the nine one one the dispatcher opens this call and they say so and so is on the ground and he's not breathing, they're gonna start it as a cardiac arrest. And it may get right. updated as you go, but I do not think that uh this young man ever had a cardiac arrest. And and right now I've got two factors that are leading me to believe that. A, I didn't mm-hmm. hear any pre arrival instructions, and I can guarantee that the LAFD would release that audio. If it was there, it wouldn't have been intentionally redacted because what, just like DeMar Hamlin, what a success story. 
our EMD worked. We right. talked somebody through CPR instructions. A bystander. They had no idea person. how to do it. Yep. And it worked. And the second thing is he was discharged from the ICU within 48 hours, neurologically intact, never defibrillated, never intubated. Not unheard of. Right. But but, but also with no report of I mean, how easy is it to determine left ventricular hypertrophy? Exactly. Pretty easy. So, how easy is it no, to determine uh, whether or not? Yeah, non invasively. Yeah. Right? You don't have, it's not like, I mean, you can some, take an EKG sure. and determine a hypertrophy. Yeah, transthoracic echo, uh, EKG, and, a lot yeah. of these things. And so people may, people but, get confused when mm-hmm. sometimes when, when, when you say things, I don't mean you, mm-hmm. I just mean when things get said that are so against mm-hmm. what, what they've always heard. And so I'm going to ask it to you this way. You're an experienced paramedic, experienced nurse. I've been a paramedic out there for almost 20 years now. How many times have you either yourself or watched another crew, like fire department crew or something like that, do CPR, meaning full compressions, on somebody who is alive? Has it happened? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. How many times do you think that you've seen that? More, Six, more than 16. one? 16.4. More than one? More than one. More than five? <laughs> yeah. More than 10? Yeah. Yeah. So it's- And, it, more, it, and more of we did CPR, so I didn't even see it, but right. this happened before we got here. But more than mm-hmm. 10 times yeah. in your 15-year mm-hmm. career, yeah. you've shown up and seen somebody doing compressions- you laid eyes on him. You mm-hmm. had to put that in your report. I saw this EMT doing compressions, or I saw this bystander doing compressions. Mm-hmm. You said, hello, my name's Zach. I'm a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Let's everybody pause for a second. Yeah. And you checked for a pulse and probably put them on a cardiac monitor or put the pads on your defibrillator. Mm-hmm. And what did you see? Probably an organized rhythm. That they had a pulse. Mm-hmm. You saw a rhythm on the thing and you were able to palpate a pulse. How do you... That's Is that uncommon for that to happen no, it's not. across the world? It's not. And more so, how do you prove as the paramedic who just showed up that they did not have a pulse or did have a pulse whenever they started? Right. You, you can't you can't prove. Right. So if it but if it did go that way, uh-huh. it would have to be this person was dead. Uh-huh. And in the time it took for me to tell you to please pause CPR because I'm going to check now yep. that a pulse came back right there. Right. And we all know that that's probably not what happened. I often Highly tell unlikely. my students and any of my students mm-hmm. who are listening, they, 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 they can, um, I, I know that they would agree that I often tell them that two, the two most difficult skills that we do as paramedics, like mm-hmm. physically the skill is ventilating somebody with a BVM, a mask, non, non-invasive, the mask over their face, sure, and palpating a pulse on somebody so with a low blood that. pressure. I'm so glad you said that. And so, you know, American Heart Association and American Red Cross, they're very specific on you need to check for a pulse for at least mm-hmm. five seconds and no more than ten seconds because too often we walk the lay person or even the the giddy, and, the giddy paramedic yeah. walks up and and just and just puts very their quickly. Oh, no, no mm-hmm. pulse. Well, you only checked. Yeah, and for so, one second. And, and so also the reason that kind of ABCs go in that order in medical is: can you be breathing and not have a pulse? No, mm-hmm. right. You can have a pulse and not be breathing, not for very long. But the reason that we look, listen, and feel for breathing early on is if they're not breathing. Mm-hmm. Or if they are breathing, rather, if they are breathing, they will have a pulse. Now, it may not be a very no. good one. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I, that's part of the problem is that, um, at least specific to American Heart Association, yeah. they, they went away from that five, ten years ago to right. CAB. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't know. spend a whole lot of time checking this guy's, you know, breathing. Just well, look and, and go and straight to the And I think that because pulse. some of the data is supporting that, that if the layperson— right. We're trying to make this easy as we can for everybody. If the lay person can't feel a pulse and they're checking in the right spot, right. then the pulse is either too slow 
or their blood pressure is too low, and maybe they would benefit. Or they from, don't even know what they're feeling. Exactly. Um, and, and we're going to talk about some statistical analysis here in just a second, but one of what is the the highest chance of survival in cardiac arrest is what kind of cardiac arrest or what 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 intervention saves the most people from cardiac arrest well it would be a combination of early defibrillation that's, and that's compressions the answer. so yeah. but but i mean compressions because sustain they, cardiac arrest because they but can't compressions separate. don't fix your cardiac arrest right. especially yeah. in a rhythmogenic cardiac arrest sure. right? meaning that they're going into ventricular fibrillation or ventricular tachycardia epi does nothing to fix those as a matter of fact it probably mm -hmm. makes it a little bit worse cpr also increases the irritability of the heart and everything. Mm -hmm. The purpose of CPR is we need to manually circulate some of this blood. And I know that you know it, but we're just kind of talking out loud here. The, the, what fixes these lethal arrhythmias is early defibrillation, which is why internal defibrillators are, have saved right. so many lives because it recognizes the longer you're in one of these arrhythmias, the harder it is to shock them out of it. So we, now mm -hmm. we got AEDs and airports and grocery stores and elementary schools and, of course, USC. Do you think he had an AED on him? I'll guarantee he had an AED on him. And it probably said no shock advised. No shock advised, sure. right? So, there, you know, there was a couple of things. That were, and like, I think I had mentioned early on, I don't think there's malice in any point of oh, this. Oh, me neither. I think that every single person that responded, I don't, I've heard people say that they thought this was a stunt by like a, a tension getting stunt mm -hmm. or that drugs are involved or that um, that's the jab or whatever. I don't think it's any of those things. I think that it's this guy is a top tier athlete that is pushing his body to the physical. Oh, limits. absolutely. It's and a, he could have had even a short run of VT or an SVT or whatever. But I think he syncopy. I think he had a syncopal episode and he could have even had a seizure. Sure. But. If he had a cardiac arrest and survived it without defibrillation, which is what we've seen in DeMar Hamlin, it would have had a known cause, uh, uh, a, a structural issue in his heart that they found. He mm -hmm. choked on a hot dog. He got hit in the chest with a, a helmet or a baseball bat. Some There would have been some kind of, he choked, he got hypoxic, he got poisoned, he had a seizure. Something would have explained it. The oh, fact I agree. that it was completely unexplained and he wasn't defibrillated, Highly sus. I, I, sus. Sus, Lennon. Highly sus. And so, so but I, I, I got to emphasize this point mm -hmm. because I, I know that a lot of people might listen to this and go, they've got people there. There's no way they're not going to know that he's dead. Mm -hmm. And so the point that I want to make with the pulse check is, is that when, when, when even in the ER, um, even on a helicopter, mm -hmm. even uh, with experienced paramedics, it is not easy mm -hmm. to palp to feel somebody's pulse like you see on TV. When they when they put their fingers right here on TV and they check for a pulse, it's pretty easy to feel it on me because I'm awake and my neck isn't normal super blood fat pressure and my blood pressure is yeah. great yeah. and you you're gonna feel it pretty. Pretty quickly. What about right? a guy who's sweaty, laying on the ground with a blood pressure of 60 over 20? They're not going to feel it at all. Especially, and the radial for sure. Especially right? if they're not, if they if they're not, haven't checked a thousand yeah. pulses in, in their and life And nothing before. against the athletic trainers, but no? it's yeah. uh, checking for a pulse in a shocky patient is much different than sure. an orthopedic injury. Right. Or, or even managing dehydration and stuff, which they're experts at. So then they no doubt just like every other mm -hmm. NCAA and NFL and probably every sports team around the country probably did some serious in-service training after DeMar mm -hmm. Hamlin. Yeah. They re-emphasized early which CPR, is all great which things. is all really, really good things. Yeah. And this group probably saw he's on, he's somebody who's unresponsive from a, from like you said, a seizure or a quick syncopal episode or something like that. If you don't know what you're looking at, they look dead and that's, that's scary. For look, sure look dead. If you're if you're if you're not if you're not a, a or look a like they're person. about to die. Right. You know? And so when you feel mm. and you go, I, I guys, I don't know. I, I don't I don't feel a pulse. Well, the training that you've got is if you don't feel a pulse, do CPR. Well, I, then people yeah. think, well, there's no way that they're gonna do CPR 
and he's not going to feel that. Well, that's that's bullshit because I'll tell you what I tell my students all the time because my students make this mistake. If I watch them do a crappy pulse check on a $100,000 mannequin that I know is putting mm-hmm. out a pulse, if they do a crappy pulse check and they go, oh, I, I got no pulse, I'm going to make sure that that guy, that, that mannequin is actually showing mm-hmm. that he's alive. And as soon as they start compressions, I'm going to give it about 10, 15 compressions and the mannequin is just going to lay there. And then pretty soon I'm going to start speaking. Uh-huh. Through, I have a microphone. Yeah, I start yeah. speaking through the mannequin. I'm going to start going through the mannequin. I'm going to go, Ooh, ow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or and, even, the, and then they go, I, Oh my God, yeah, he's, they don't he, have to even wake up and say anything. But what we know in, in GCS is the next step from completely unresponsive is, is, starting to do something in response so, to pain or something. noxious stimulus. They're right. going to start localizing it. Whether it's conscious or not, their body is going to start doing something towards it. And I right. and I think that it probably ha- – I think that it happened. I think that they probably started CPR on him. I think that he probably woke up and slowly came around. Like I think he probably had a, a, a syncopal episode. And he could have passed and, out. Mm-hmm. He could have had a syncopal episode. What does that mean, syncopal episode? S- you keep saying that. Yeah, so they uh, you know got – got hypotensive, they passed out, uh, or their blood pressure got low, they passed out. Uh, you know, he may have vomited. That's not uncommon. Could, so that he could have been dehydrated. Mm-hmm. He could have, uh, he could have had a psychological yeah, and, and I don't, issue. And I don't know, right? you know, I'm not even super convinced that he had any form of dehydration. This is very early on in the season. 930 in the morning. It's 930 in the morning. It's, there's a USC staff there. I mean, how often are, do we you know, use IV hydration in mm-hmm. the athletics department at the university that we work with. So that they have access to all of those things. And dehydration can also lead to cardiac arrest for sure. It can lead to electrolyte right. imbalances and, and those cardiac arrests though are sure. arrhythmia. So, so then these guys or gals, whoever mm-hmm. does a haphazard round of CPR, which mm-hmm. is exactly what they should do. Uh, absolutely. Brawny starts moaning, uh-huh. something like that. He still needs to go to the, the hospital. The, the, they're, they're, right. Everybody's eyeballs are all bugged out. Oh, my God. And Brawny doesn't know what's happening. Within a few minutes, Los Angeles Fire comes walking through the door with uh-huh. their stretcher. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. Well, he's right here. Uh, and, and John over here just just was doing compressions. Yeah. I mean, we were, yeah. doing, we were doing CPR. Yeah. And so what, now what are the fire guys going to do? Mm-hmm. They're going to put him on the monitor. Mm-hmm. Start an IV. Gather data. They're, they're going to do a full mm-hmm. assessment, a full yeah. history, and they're going to take them to the hospital. Sure. And when they get to the hospital, what are they going to tell the ER physician? Uh-huh. Hey, doc, this here's Brawny. Like an 18-year-old we, guy. we brought him from uh, USC. Uh-huh. Apparently, he suffered a cardiac arrest. They did a round of CPR on him. He was awake when we got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's his vital signs. Here's his history. He's healthy dude. EKG looks good. Or By the way, look good. his dad's the most famous guy in the world, <laughs> so don't do anything stupid. Yeah. And um, is there anything but it's else? C- it's Cedar Sinai, so they are yeah w- well accustomed yeah. to taking yeah. care of. Can you, you know, sign my report? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Here you go. Ten eight. Yeah. 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 And then and then that doctor, after he he or she does his assessment, mm-hmm. is going to walk over to his little dictaphone. Mm-hmm. And say, I've uh, got an 18 year old male, blah, 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 blah. Reported. Suffered cardiac, cardiac arrest. arrest. Uh, was awake and alert and oriented times four upon arrival at the ER, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go ahead and admit him to the ICU just for monitoring. Mm-hmm. Goes up to the ICU and everybody mm-hmm. monitors and, him. And for now, and an intensivist day. comes in season because now that's an right. ER provider who right. has a lot of experience managing early management of cardiac arrest, right? But two things happen in the ER. With, with the providers that manage cardiac arrest. Either they go to the morgue or the ME comes and takes them to a funeral home mm-hmm. or they go to the ICU, probably on a half a dozen different vasoactive medications and sedation and intubated and all this stuff because after a cardiac arrest, even a short cardiac arrest, you're still going to have this huge lactic acidosis. Your kidneys are going to take a hit. All these other things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. But in my career, I've only seen one patient physically that was in cardiac arrest that I handed off to the ER and the guy was awake whenever I handed off. And mm-hmm. it was a patient who got defibrillated 
by a bike medic. Right. All of mine have been defibrillations. Was defibrillated by right. a bike medic almost immediately. So an AED recognized that it was a lethal arrhythmia, shocked it. The person woke up because, and this is another thing that we should be talking about is you should be managing VFVT before you're intubating these patients. Early on in the career, the first thing we would do is intubate them and right. then we would move on to defibrillation. Well, nah, buddy, let's, sure. get, them, let's get them out of the And so early they on. also would have done the, the, the firefighters, paramedics, mm -hmm. uh, and just, you know, in, in Los Angeles, the fire, fire department does all Mm -hmm. They run priority one uh, um, emergency nine one one calls, calls. Um, and so the, the the firefighter paramedic would have done an EKG yeah. within five to ten minutes of showing up on, on this scene. Certainly, had that EKG shown a STEMI or a heart attack, they would have which, said so. Which has statistical significance right? for for sudden cardiac arrest is, right. and we would have seen this occlusion. And then right? in the ER, that physician's going to, on something like this, they're going to do another EKG right away. Yeah. And had there been anything related to coronary artery occlusion, uh -huh. he wouldn't have gone to the ICU, he would have gone to the cath lab. Right. So it's speculative, but you can certainly, yeah. with with yeah. with a high level Man. of... of um, you know, uh, whatever the, whatever the word is, um, that he probably did not suffer yeah, my, any type of the, heart the attack. The index of suspicion that I've got no, at the moment is there's no cardiomyopathies. There's no right. uh, there's no uh, infection of the heart. There's mm. no um, hypertrophy, which is mm. an enlarged heart. Left ventricle there, also that causes an, an arrhythmia type cardiac right. arrest, VTAC. There, there's no arrhythmias going on. Otherwise, mm -hmm. he wouldn't have gone home. Yeah. That's for sure. Certainly none that we captured. It's not a, it, right. It's not impossible to say that he didn't have a, a supraventricular sure. tachyarrhythmia that Which caused him to pass out. Which still probably wouldn't have been a cardiac arrest. Right. But he could have had a, a run of VTAC with Absolutely. a pulse. That's not unheard of. Um, and, and pull up uh, one of the... Pull up the... Um, sports-related sudden cardiac arrest, the second one, I think. Yeah, so this is this is uh, from a European Ooh, um, just published journal. Yeah, and so this was it was actually quite difficult to let's go down. Let's go down and look at the to, to look at to to get some good data on this. But I, I did find this one really interesting, and you know they give a lot of credit to CPR and AED by bystanders as as they should and a lot of these uh, and i think this is the article that kind of defines it between 18 and 35 years old so it's not the greatest uh kind of scroll, scroll up population scroll down list, a little bit but they also um right there. they also you know report somewhere about 1 in 200,000 episodes but with a 90% survival to discharge. Now that doesn't define what their neurological outcome is, but 90% of these people leave the hospital, but they're all accredited to bystander CPR and early defibrillation. So the fact that he wasn't defibrillated gives cause to suspicion on it. And you know, public it says here public AED use prior to EMS arrival was the strongest independent predictor of survival at hospital discharge, right? Mm -hmm. Which I thought was was really neat. But um, coronary artery disease was the most frequent. Um, because 18-year-olds can have heart attacks. Absolutely. Two-year-olds can have heart attacks. You're, you're absolutely Two-day-olds right. and, and can I, have and, and I think to give, you know, some, some I think that the data is misinterpreted, but a lot of the people that are referring to the jab Mm -hmm. um, causing some of these heart attacks and strokes, they are relating it to a clot, which is what causes a heart attack. Or So the clot ha really has three bad places, super bad places. It goes to the brain, it causes a stroke, it goes to the pulmonary artery, it causes a pulmonary embolism, and it goes to the heart and it causes a heart attack or a myocardial infarction. But like you said earlier, with the inability to understand large numbers, that mm -hmm. happens way more with COVID infection than it right. does with COVID vaccination, right? And we're not even going to, I don't want to talk about that at all, but I, I, I did find this, this article, um, you know, really a pretty good article. And can you, can you talk about it at all? I know that you have more to do in the research world, but 
but is this like a retrospective article or a prospective? No, it says it's a prospective um, cohort study. But what does that mean? It just means that they they um, l- looked at the, the the numbers for over that seven year period, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was. I don't know why they chose. I'd have to read the paper. Why why did they choose just all of? It looks like they chose all of Germany and just the area of Paris. Um, you know, maybe, and sometimes you're limited. It could have on, been university uh, affiliation or something like that. No, it, it, a lot of times it's just it, it, it's difficulty yeah. getting the data. It's very difficult yeah. to grab this kind of data up, and and um, it, it's it's easier than other things because uh, typically cardiac arrest um, data is is kind of universal, mm-hmm. at least across the country or maybe across the European Union, and and you track things. Um, uh, every every cardiac arrest, in, like in the United States, has has a, a, a certain data set that is tracked mm-hmm. with it. That like um, when was first bystander CPR, when was first trained CPR, mm-hmm. first bystander AED, how many shocks were delivered. Which is why in you, our right. paperwork, pre-hospital paperwork, and I think that's probably through like OKIMSIS or some kind of Oklahoma database. These are things that you have to fill out. Was this work related? Was this weather related? Was, you know, there's a, there's, right. they're extrapolate, they're going to use data to potentially extrapolate at some point. Sure. And, track. And, and this is, this is looking at 147, um, incidents and that, that's a lot. That's I mean, a pretty, for, for I mean, an, yeah. you, you know, we would call that the end, an end number. You're looking at 147 mm-hmm. cases. Um, I don't know how that was sampled though. I mean, that does screw numbers mm-hmm. up all the time. It's, sure. it's just the same thing of when I say the anecdotal evidence. Um, but maybe the sample is fine. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to read the paper. Um, but I, I mean, it certainly is telling you that, you know, so, sometimes science has to tell you things mm-hmm. that that are kind of obvious that you already know, mm-hmm. you know. And this one's this this one's telling you well, there, people who suddenly die in cardiac arrest if they're young, well, it mainly happens with young boys who are athletes. Okay, got it. <laughs> yep that 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 makes sense. Um, it also shows that the public still sucks at using AEDs mm-hmm. um, because that, that's what it's talking about there, um, and that the again the 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 positive here is or the, or the positive predictors of a good outcome are early defibrillation mm-hmm. and quality CPR. You know, so this it, was in Europe in 2023, yeah. and if you go to the latest statistics over there at the at the left, and this is from a, a, a different um, a different company. But what what I the, the point of the this yeah, that is that, but with all of the kind of research that I browsed across, they're all basically saying the same thing, which I think is a pretty good predictor of of good data. Whenever I'm using multiple different sources and it's telling me kind of the same thing, it's more mm-hmm. believable to me than if I read five things and then one thing didn't line up. Well. Not no. to say that it's wrong, but you know. Anyway, so well, th- good. So 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 go down to this one, and there's actually um, so this is the Sudden Cardiac Arrest Foundation, and there's kind of an area that says sports related SCA slash SCD, and so that's this S S R S C A here. So this is also like an uh, eighteen to thirty five year age range. And the kind of thing that I picked out here was that the association from 07 to 2015 was 1.83 deaths per 10 million athlete years, which is a pretty stagger. I mean, that's a the, the it alludes that this happens very infrequently. Um, and uh, it talks about the thing that was surprising to me here is it says that of 5,000 middle and high school athletes, between that seven-year range, it revealed a high-risk cardiovascular condition in 1.4%, 1.5%. Like that didn't, I, I would have expected that number to be much higher. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it's, it, it, in all honesty, like when you, when you, this, this is kind of like the other one, it's telling us stuff that we, that we already know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's telling you that, that, um, you know, young, young people, if they die suddenly of cardiac arrest, that's non-trauma mm-hmm. related. Um, it's probably because they're young and male and they're in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can come from missed cardio cardio di- diagnosis of some sort, sure. which usually would be something related to a hypertrophic ventricle. 
uh, because you really you're not going to see that just walking into a doing a physical and getting your blood pressure checked. No, and, I th- I think you, you that know what the, I mean? you know the the leading. So the, as I understand it, because there's another news story that's going out right now of a an athlete. I think it's maybe football or maybe basketball that was just drafted into pr- the professional arena mm-hmm. and has now decided not to play because they identified some kind of high risk cardiac defect. Now whether that's a structural defect or uh, you know the the cardiomyopathy right, right. or whatever can develop over time, but the the leading predictor for all of that is actually family history, especially within two lines of uh, two generations. Right, if you've had significant cardiac history or sudden cardiac death in either your parents or grandparents, that's a pretty good predictor that they need to do some more in depth testing and and potentially identify something that's going on there. Sure, but I, I just would have expected that number to be a little bit higher since they're giving some significance to early f- these physicals and stuff preventing, I-, I thought that I would see that number a little bit higher, but well, I mean, it, it probably matches just the general population yeah. of 1.5%, but it's, it's, you, you know, the it, it, go, going back just to the, 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 the original story, the, the part that I don't know if the word stresses me out or something mm-hmm. like that is, is, is the right word, but it certainly irritates me. Because when the information that the news is reporting one way or another is false Mm -hmm. in in this story, Um, the chances are that he did not suffer a a cardiac arrest like Mm -hmm. like you alluded to at the beginning. Nobody seems to be be questioning it. And it's not a conspiratory thing. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think that something made this up and lied. This happens every day. If you're listening to the show or watching it, there are paramedics in the United States today who are going to show up on scene. They're going to do a crappy pulse check. They're going to err on the side of caution Mm -hmm. and start pounding on somebody's chest. And the person was never dead in the first place. I know for a fact that I have more than one save bar uh, in, 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 I don't know, in my proverbial EMS trophy case um, that I know that these people had a pulse. Yeah. But just the way that the call went, um, it, 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 I wasn't in charge. It was very obvious that the person, they were just air, just yeah. do CPR till we can get him here. Sometimes you can't, it, you can't even sure. check, you know, and when you're in the ER, it, um, the checking of the pulse is, which, you know, is, is so difficult that they would mm-hmm. never really terminate CPR on a palpated, palpatable pulse. They would use uh, echo or or or, yeah, or ultrasound or, or a Doppler or something yeah. like that. So they can literally pull up mm-hmm. the heart on a screen and look at it and go, mm-hmm. "Yep, it's not it's not moving." Like that. Mm-hmm. That's how unreliable palpating yeah. the pulse. Is. Yeah. So I, I I got two things I want to mention. One is maybe a tidbit of advice or or something for those out there that do have trouble with this, especially in cardiac arrest, this is how I recommend you do it, is when you get there and they're doing CPR, I want you to feel for a pulse while they're doing CPR. Can you feel Can you feel a femoral pulse while somebody is doing chest compressions? You should be able to. Okay, I mean, that's right? supposed to be the yes. cornerstone of that's effective. ensuring compressions. Of effective quality compressions. Okay, so here's what you do is you get there and you feel for a pulse and you should find a pulse every time they do a compression. You should feel a pulse go. Mm-hmm. Now they stop compressions. Did that pulse go away or did something replace it? Because now you already know where it is. You're not having to search for the anatomy to find the potential for a pulse. Right. Feel for a pulse under compressions and find out that you are in the right spot, right? Femoral pulse, not carotid because it can be much more difficult to feel for a carotid pulse when they're doing compressions. Feel for a femoral pulse, have them pause CPR, see if it's there or not. The second thing is just kind of a, a a war story on what you were talking about a minute ago. I ran a call the other day for a lady who had had a seizure. You you did? I I worked on a nine one one truck the other day. I worked an eight wow. hour shift on a nine one one truck, All which right. I haven't done in and it was one hundred and eight degrees. It was hot, and on the and on the on the inside shoulder of the highway, a lady stopped her car because her passenger was having a seizure on the of course middle lane of a major. F- interstate, right? So we get there and they describe this lady's in the passenger seat. I quickly identify from the driver that she had had a seizure that lasted about a minute, described it as a typical tonic-clonic. 
And this lady's in the passenger seat. Very obvious facial droop. Very obvious slurred speech and cannot move one side of her body. So we put her in the back of the ambulance. And what do you think I did? Checked her blood sugar and called a code stroke. Still on the side of the highway. No, had no fire to get in the back. We're on our way to the hospital. Unseen less than just a couple minutes. Called mm-hmm. a code stroke, right? And we got about five minutes to get to the hospital or 10 minutes. As we're getting there, her symptoms are starting to resolve. But was it wrong to call a code stroke in that situation? Oh, no, I, 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 don't I agree. Think so. and, and, and you bring so for the paramedics that are listening to and, and EMTs or whoever, that, that's, a, that's a great point. Your, your clinical decision making needs to always be based on a multitude of things. It's not as much as I like to say it's all about the data. Go to the website, buy a t shirt. But as long as I like to say it's all about it's all about the data and stuff like that, it's it's not. It's also mm-hmm. about your experience. Mm-hmm. It's about your clinical intuition and your knowledge base, um, and how in depth your understanding is of mm-hmm. pathophysiology or the pathology of whatever it is that's going on. So all the all those things have to be put together to make a clinical decision, and that's the best that humans can do. Mm-hmm. This this is why Patrick Swayze and and Steve Jobs, those famous richest people in the world, you know, they get a certain cancer, mm-hmm. they still died mm-hmm. because we don't have the answers for everything. We can only do as far as our science has gone, as far as our understanding takes us. And this is this is no different with the, with this case with with Bronny James. Now you have a lay person mm. who can only take the little bit of data that they know from their CPR class that they got. Mm-hmm. in in house and their little bit of clinical knowledge that they have of well that guy's eyes are normally open and now they're not <laughs> yeah. and he looks not alive right and that's that's the best they can do and sure. I, and I don't fault them at all but a paramedic on a truck just like you say we have two or three things that are very time sensitive that paramedics do and we 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 set these um, dominoes in the going on down the hill, and we set these balls in motion, as we say, or whatever, yeah. uh, of um, two or three things. One of them is priority one traumas, mm-hmm. you know, alerting surgeons and getting surgeons ready and getting to the hospital because it's a priority one trauma. Uh, heart attacks, you know, getting the cardiothoracic surgeon ready, getting the PCI cath lab ready, getting everything ready, haul ass to the hospital. Your code strokes, like mm-hmm. you're talking about. Uh, getting neurology ready, getting the medicine, the right medicines ready, getting CT cleared, all of that. And these are, these are things where somebody has to say a word over the radio. I have a trauma alert. I have a STEMI alert. I have a stroke alert. And, and it, it consumes a lot of resources to do that. Yeah. And they are not always right. And so, and in fact, in some cases, like with the strokes uh, where it's a hundred percent assessment based. Yes. They're probably wrong more than more than they're you're, right. You're absolutely right. But the the point of what I was saying here is that it was so it turned out, spoiler, it was not a code stroke. It was it was, you know, probably um, and I, I forget there's a term for it, but it's probably related to her seizure, this kind of a temporary deal. But what we did by calling the code stroke and drawing labs on the way to the hospital is we went right through the emergency department, straight to the CAT scanner. Mm-hmm. The labs went straight up. You know, there was no delay. The patient was pre-registered. Everything worked exactly as it should. And her symptoms resolved. And her symptoms resolved. And you went, God damn it. But no, I didn't. No, I know what you mean. It did not hurt my feelings or my ego that she was resolving. And I could see her as I was reassessing the, the two or three times. Right. When we were loaded her in the ambulance to do arm drift, one arm couldn't, she couldn't even pick it up. By the time we got no. there, it was she was regaining some strength to it, but she still couldn't do it. So it is resolving. Sure. But the point is th- the system worked exactly how it should have. And if I wouldn't have called it and it would have been a stroke, that would have been bad. If Bronnie James would have been in cardiac arrest and people wouldn't have taken it serious, it would have been bad. Mm-hmm. All of these things are the the system is set up into play. It's not the end of the world if you do something and it was overkill. It's the end of somebody else's world if you don't do it, though. Right? Yeah, that's a great that's a that's a great point. It, it, your 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 point is an act, is an absolute great one. 
And, and it brings up the argument that people talk about of, well, it couldn't hurt anything to do this. And, and, and it's not that I'm disagreeing with what you're saying. It's that we don't have unlimited resources. Mm -hmm. So if we don't know if that guy's a trauma alert, we don't just call a trauma alert on everybody. If we don't know if that guy's having a STEMI, we don't just call a heart attack mm -hmm. alert, a STEMI alert on, on everybody. We use our, our clinical, clinical decision judgment making and our, mm -hmm. and our judgment and our knowledge, and, usually and our knowledge some in, kind in, of data and everything and everything mm -hmm. that goes with that. Right. But the difference is, is that when you walked out of that ER, you told yourself, okay, so she wasn't having a stroke. Mm -hmm. What could it have been? You have this feedback loop of remediating yourself and, mm -hmm. and, and trying to figure out what happened. So the next time you go out and face the same type of case, you, you have now learned. Yeah. My concern with this case and the difference is, is that these people who pounded on his chest, mm -hmm. I believe, like you did, that they did everything right, probably. I mean, they're the lay person. They're doing their best. But if they walk away from this thinking that he was dead mm -hmm. when he wasn't, then we one can make the argument that we've made things worse I, because I, there's I no lesson agree. to be learned. And, but the, the 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 biggest problem with that is that with before he even got to the hospital, right? It was on 15 different news outlets. The the yeah. the word travels so fast now, and everybody is so hesitant to redact anything. Like at what point, or how many of these news agencies do you think? Even if a LeBron James spokesperson, if his family spokesperson said, it turns out that he just had a, you know, had a seizure or, uh, or, or whatever, they're, they're, this is the explanation for it. Thank you for all your support and prayers. They're not going to redact uh, news articles, just like the, the, the police don't redact all every time they start narcaning each other and everything because it's good publicity for, you know yeah. for for the agency these things oh, this education the stuff that we're doing is working but unfortunately it's just creating panic it's but don't you think so that a doctor probably sat there with lebron and brawny's in the room mm -hmm. and probably said look guys yeah i'm so happy that everybody's good you know, in the I grand scheme of things, agree. I don't think he actually suffered a cardiac arrest. People were just being very uh, cautious. Uh, you need to look out for this, be prepared for this. Let's mm -hmm. do some follow-ups just to make sure we're not missing anything. But, you know, you're probably good and 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 we'll chat soon. Yeah. I, and Do you think that happened? I, I absolutely do. I do think that the physician said, guys, we've done all these tests. Everything looks good. I have no way to explain what happened with the exception of I don't think he in fact had a cardiac arrest. And so let's, let's, let's drive this thing home because I told you this one wasn't going to take very long. I think that based on the 911 call, listening to the, the dispatch notes, the fact that he was never defibrillated, the fact that he showed up to the emergency department neurologically intact and was never placed on a ventilator or a breathing machine, and the fact that he went home within 48 hours with no other, uh, you know, organ involvement or or any kind of follow up like that, I'm going to say that this is uh, this is a mythical creature. This is the unicorn that is so rare it probably did not happen. And I'm happy about that. What do you think, Lennon? That this that's another this is another funny point. How often have you gotten a call to somebody, and they say I'm having a heart attack, I'm having this heart attack, and I've you never had somebody call me and say that. You respond to somebody. I'm not a dispatcher. And and you've got a patient, and they are telling you I'm having a heart attack. I'm right. having this chest pain, and you shoot a twelve lead, and it looks good, and you go, all right. Uh, you know, the heart tracing looks really good. I don't think you're having a heart attack right now. I still think we need to go to the hospital, whatever. And then they're disappointed that it's not happening. Yeah, hundreds of times. Right? Why Why is everybody... Oh, you mean the paramedic? No, the, the patient oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. like, what do you mean I'm not having... Like, yeah. like they're disappointed that, you know... Well, because they've read so that much lot. that if this hurts here and this hurts there, that this must be a heart attack, which is just a... It's just a, a consequence of public mm -hmm. education is... is you're going to do all these public service announcements and people are going to, oh, oh, his jaw hurts. He's mm. definitely having a heart attack. Mm. Um, yeah, I read here that this means. Right. I my read. My uncle 
did this. Yeah, yeah. I heard yeah. that if you call the ambulance that, you know, you can get right into the ER. If you just don't yeah. want to go to the waiting room, just call the ambulance. You know, yeah. you've heard that one. What do you think, dude? You got any uh, questions, Lemon? Will he still be able to play this year in college? When's the the college? The college is, is good, starts kind of in the winter time, doesn't it? Yeah. So basketball basketball always starts after football. With, well, basketball always started um, about the same time that wrestling did. They run the same sport or yeah. same season, and so it's usually mid October when wrestling would start. Okay. So it sounds like kind of winter. It goes through the winter and then into March Madness, right? Yeah. Um, probably. I mean, Demar I have, Hamlin have, truly died. Yeah. And he's going to be back. I, I would I would not be surprised if Bronny James isn't practicing right now, if he's already returned to practice and stuff. Yeah. With with a complaint of rib pain. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. So that was, that was another thing I thought about is, no. you know, he's discharged from the hospital and every, everything is completely fine. And I was like, even he doesn't have uh, any, you know, rib fractures or a pneumo or a sternal fracture or even – you know, um, he works out a, a, a cardiac contusion or a pulmonary contusion. I mean, these are all very common things that happen from CPR. No. So he may not have even had CPR at all. Are the Thunder the worst team in the NBA this year? Oh man, yeah. they're not. So we have zero chance of getting him, of getting Bronny. Is 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 the NBA? He's not protected to go top ten. That's stupid. Bronny's not protected to go top 10. Why would it? Yeah, but it's buy one, get one free almost, because, right? Because you get – listen, the NBA – but the team's already bad. Yeah, but nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. What matters is putting people putting butts in the seats. For and one you, year. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the Thunder would be happy to sell out every game for a year even for if they year. sucked? Because at this rate, they're not going to sell any games yeah, for any years. Because <laughs> la last year, you and I went to about eight games and I spent about $14 to sit up front each yeah. game. Yeah. Well, it was more. It was more. Yeah, than but that. the whole, the whole, if, I mean, if Bronny comes to be even a top 20 or top 30 plus LeBron, who's still obviously in his prime, mm -hmm. it's almost a buy one, get one free. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They can get him on the pennies on the dollar. But we now he's going to have rib pain. Hey, Bronny, if you need a hookup with the Thunder, I'll let your boy. God damn it. Let's go teach people how to check pulses out on the street, Lennon. Ready? All right. I have. I do have something else I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead. Did you hear there was an EMT that was assaulted and released from the hospital? Did you read, did you read your thing? No. <laughs> EMT who got stabbed outside the hospital oh, next week on the Dr. Week. Medic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs>